Hello, welcome to Cannon Snakes in the Olympico. Um, my name's Ryan. Um, I'm joined tonight by Cheyenne first. How you doing tonight? Yeah, not bad, how are you? Good. And just let everybody know, um, I know we were supposed to have this on Thursday, but we did fix our problems. So yeah. Um, I think it should be good. Um, we're just waiting for Jack and Elliot, and then we'll start with questions. Um, here comes Elliot now. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, we're obviously here to talk about – we have two Liverpool fans on tonight, so we're obviously here to talk about the Liverpool um, winning the title. But I know Elliot would also like to sound off about Roma's terrible week and his bounce and their so yep. we'll get that to that later. Um, so to start with, um, I want to get everybody's reaction to Liverpool winning the league. And Elliot, do you mind starting off with that? Yeah, sure. Um, no, obviously, obviously it was it was we all knew it was going to happen eventually. But I, I, you know. I know a lot of different Liverpool fans, and I think it's having being a Roma fan and winning my title so long ago. I know what that feeling feels like when you finally win it, and it doesn't like it like doesn't really sit in until like six to eight months afterwards, just because the entire culmination of trying to win it, and obviously just on based off you know everything. And uh, anyway, so there's that, and then there's I've I've always had. Uh, Liverpool fans have always been kind to me. And a few years ago, when we got knocked out of the Champions League semi, I went to a pub and everyone was really supportive. And uh, not, they wanted my team to lose, obviously, but I just, the, the kind people that I came across. So, like, for me, I think there's not, there's not very many other great fan bases that deserve this like they do. And on top of that, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. All right. Um, whoever wants to go next, go for it. Yeah, I'll go. But no, yeah, I think Elliot's right about it. Not thinking in yet. It still hasn't sunk in for me yet, even though it's been about two weeks now, I think. But yeah, obviously we knew it was going to happen. So it was weird having Chelsea to do it for us. But I still felt from the night, seeing all the players celebrate, seeing Klopp in tears. It was really emotional. And I was really, I mean, I can't put it into words how happy I am seeing it's been so long. And obviously I've never seen us win the league before. So. Brilliant moment for me, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Cheyenne, thoughts? Yeah. Like, I knew it would happen for, like, some time. Like, even before this season, um, I knew, like, we would eventually win it. When, um, like, people used to say, oh, like, Liverpool never win a Premier League and that. But I always, like... Well, had the feeling they would, and had the feeling I'd see it unless, like, yeah, unless, like, I died really young or something, because it was, like, the inevitable. So, like, I just saw it coming for years. But then, um, this season, we've just known it's gonna come, like, for a while now. I think, I think Leicester City game, the game against Leicester City, which we won 4 0, was when it, um, started to dawn on me more but like Jack it hasn't sunk in and it probably will won't for a while because um like yeah it just doesn't seem real and it's just so big such a big thing 
Awesome. Well, I am really glad for you guys. So one question that we both added, um, and I'll start with um, Diane first, and then we'll throw it around again. Um, when did you know Klopp was the right guy for the job? What did you say? When did you know that Klopp was the right guy oh, for the um, job? I think, like, it was quite early on. I mean, I I could see, like, what he was doing for the team. Um, So, obviously, our first game under him, I believe that was a draw against Tottenham. I think it was nil-nil. But then, like, a few games later, we won, like, 3-1 against Chelsea. And Chelsea were doing quite well at that time. And... Like, I could see, like, that was probably when, like, um, well, when he showed signs. And then, like, with such a, um, weak squad, we managed to get to, um, the Europa League final. And then, since then, he's just, um, like, brought players to fit our play and... Adapted players, for example, Firmino, he's put him in a false number nine, and that's like helped our team because I think Firmino's like pivotal to how we play. Awesome, yeah, I, I think I think he was the right man for the job straight away because obviously an upgrade on Rogers for sure. And for what he did at Dortmund, he took a team that were mid-table and then won the Bundesliga back-to-back and took them to the Champions League final. So for what he did before, I knew he could do a lot with us. And we were linked with some quite average matches at the time too, so I knew he was the best we could get. But obviously, I always had faith, but then we just kept getting better and better every season. We went from finishing eighth to then fourth, fourth in the Champions League final, then second, just one point away, and now we've won the league. So it's been been gradually getting better every season. So yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming for sure. Gotcha. Uh Elliot, what do you think? Did you think Klopp was the right guy? Yeah, I mean obviously we, we all know the story about what he did at Dortmund and you know, like Jack said, taking a team that probably doesn't shouldn't have been winning leagues and he won it back to back. And I think Pep's I don't know if Pep was there at that time, but still I think just considering everything that he had done in Germany I thought it would translate to England, and obviously getting to the Champions League final, all that stuff. And but just like any manager who comes in, I like to see what they do and the moves they make. And so there's, I guess, some, there was some skepticism just in general about that. But just because you know it's, it's a big transition to to sort of go from the Bundesliga to the Premier League, given the differences between the two. Um, but then I, I it clicked immediately when I read there was a book that they'd done about him. And then once I read the book and sort of got to sort of mentally figure out what kind of things goes on as his head, it, it, it made clear, it was clear to me why he's successful and why he struggles. And my thing was once he got one or two signings that really would put Liverpool over the top, he'd be able to handle anything that I throw at him. So that's basically how I figured it out. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Um... I'm going to go to Jack now. How long do you think this run of dominance can last? Like, what is your, like, expectation for the next two, three years? I think the next few years will be the same because, I mean, well, it's like the same as we'll keep challenging for the league and the Champions League because the squad we've got now, most of our key players are in their peak. They're all between the ages of about 27 and 29. So they're all coming in the peak of their power. So if anything, we could even get better. But, yeah, I think we'll continue to challenge. I can see us winning the league again. 
and hopefully the Champions League too. It depends how well another teams get on because obviously Bayern Munich is strengthening. Um, Real Madrid have got a new set of young players and they're doing really well in the. It's you know difficult to stay, but I think we'll definitely challenge the trophies for the next few years. I actually agree with that. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you: Do you think could you see like a Man United runner dominance like the early year of the Premier League, or do you think the days of that is completely um, over? I mean, it depends how long Pep stays for, because I mean he's the main competitor, Man City, you know, Man City especially, because obviously they've been competing with us last season and this season not so much, but you know they beat us four 0 so they've shown it. But yeah, it depends how long Klopp stays for, because his contract's up in twenty twenty four. I mean, he it was supposed to be 2022 and he signed a new one, so he could send that again. But yeah, it all just depends how long he stays for because he's obviously the guy who's made it all possible, even with the players we've got. So I think it all depends on how... If he stays for the next decade, I think we pro- probably could. Maybe maybe not win as many titles, but again, it's just difficult to, difficult to see, really. Yeah. Um, Cheyenne, how long do you guys think... How long do you think Liverpool's run of dominance will go on um, for? I think like quite a few years, but I'm not sure if it will be like to the like, extent of um United's because it was like um it's it's so hard to replicate that kind of dominance, and I think it was partly because like everything changed, like the league format changed slightly, and the league changed its name, and it sort of threw other teams off. So that might be why they were like so dominant and um like they deserve a lot of praise but it was just like it's so unlikely that a team gets that sort of dominant dominance. Um especially in like say a league like England, like the English league, because the English league is um like some of the other leagues you see there's been like only one winner for like the past few years, and yeah, and um, I I think we'll win like some more trophies as to our tally. And I know some people disagree with me because it's not like as coveted. But I want to win the FA Cup because we don't try hard in that competition, and I've never seen Liverpool win in the FA Cup as a fan. So, yeah, I think it would be nice to win one as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, th- I mean, I don't – why do you guys think – and this is for Jack Chan. Why do you guys think teams don't take the FA Cup seriously any- anymore? Because, like, when you look back at history, like, that used to be, like, almost as good as winning the league. It was, like, a huge competition and very prestigious. I think it's just because of like money as well, because back back then the FA Cup was on level like, financially too with like, rewards. But obviously, since the Premier League came and the money and that, the TV deals, the prize money as well, and obviously the Champions League too, it's kind of diminished the FA Cup a little bit. I think it's unfair because it's still, I mean, the oldest cup competition in the world. It's got a lot of history to it, and I, I really want to see us win it. And I think the reason we haven't really been focusing on it is maybe because of a lack of depth. Obviously, I think Klopp knows that. If we compete for all, I mean, all four trophies to the League Cup, never mind the FA Cup, that, that we won't be able to do all of it. And that's why I really want us to strengthen in depth too. But yeah, I think the, re- yeah, the reason that we haven't done is because of a lack of depth, really, and to focus on the Premier League more because we hadn't won it in so long. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's like um, the money. So um, it used to be worth like a lot more, but then since the Premier League's inception in 1992, the money in football has increased so much, and like teams just slack off the FA Cup more now, and like didn't United one time like um go out because like they asked to or something. Um, and then I think after then it sort of didn't become as important for the better clubs. Yeah, I agree, and that's one I think the sad things about um about football right now in general is like even like the German Cup, Copa Italia, FA Cup don't really seem to carry that much weight or importance when I think they absolutely should. Elliot, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think my thing is I feel like teams would take it more seriously if they just had the FA Cup in the Premier League because in Italy and Germany and a lot of these other countries, it's just they just have one. But in England, they have the League Cup and the FA Cup. And I feel like if they just had the FA Cup, there'd be more incentive to sort of go for it rather than because once you go through one of those cup competitions, I don't know if it's distracting, but it's just it's just a lot of stuff to have your eyes on. So I feel like if I don't know if they would get rid of that, if they just had one of those cups instead of two, more teams would would have more motivation to try to win it. Because I think I I think the FA Cup is is a massive trophy, but like you guys said, there's it just doesn't seem like teams are taking it as seriously anymore. And maybe it's because there's just too much things things going around all at once. So that'd be my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree there. I just want to add one thing. I think another incentive for clubs would be if they added like a Champions League spot by winning the FA Cup. So scrapping fourth place and said you have to win the FA Cup to get that last Champions League place. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. I I really agree with that, especially if you're yeah. being an Arsenal fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um so yeah, I can absolutely relate to that. No, I think that's that's actually a wonderful idea because you're all right. There's like no incentive or money to win anymore. And this, it is the oldest cup of cup competition in the world. So yeah, I think it should be looked at as like a higher value. And I think the final championship league spot would be a perfect way to use that. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Elliot because I know Elliot, you had something about the Atletico Madrid. Um, right. Can I? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go on a little rant here. Um, so I, th- I think, obviously, the, in comparison to Atletico Madrid, a team who has not done particularly well this season, Liverpool's a much better team. And obviously, I think top to bottom, they're just, they're just a better team. Um, and even in the second leg, Liverpool probably were the better team. But in my mind, I feel like – I wouldn't say Liverpool gave it away necessarily. But I, th- I think at the end of the first leg, they made some catastrophic mistakes that allowed Simeone and Atletico Madrid to have the mental advantage. And I don't think it's necessarily the fault of um, – so I'm referring to Klopp and um, Robertson. The comments they made after they had um, they had lost the first leg in, in Madrid where Klopp said, welcome to Anfield, which is, which is fine. But I think sometimes that's implying that, that because we're going – to Anfield, you guys don't stand a chance. And the comments that Robertson made about, you know, they celebrate as if they won the tie, which is fine. And I, I don't have a problem with the comments per se, 
But I feel like Dio Simeone is the type of guy who uses that information to, to have a mental advantage in those games. So I, I actually believe that he put those comments on the on a chalkboard in the in the locker room, whatever, with his Atletico Madrid players. And I think he yelled at them and made them look at these comments over and over and over again. So when they were in the the second leg of that game, when Liverpool seemed to have all the momentum, they had a reason and an incentive to continue to fight and fight and fight because they wanted to prove a, a point. And again, in that game, Liverpool were probably better. But I think, and there were I, there were some mistakes and whatever. But in my in my point of view, I think once you give a guy like Diego Simeone a mental advantage, it it doesn't lessen your team, but it, it gives his his players more incentive to go for it. And I think in that game, when it looked like they were out, they they end up coming back and they end up winning that game. And I think the reason they had that extra motivation, extra push, is because Liverpool gave them bulletin board material in that game. And obviously, I think Liverpool is a better team and probably deserve to go through. And I actually picked them to win the Champions again. But I think because of the how the, everything transpired. I think Diego Simeone had that motivation to to steal it from you. Yeah, I think you're right there. But I think with Klopp saying welcome to Anfield and whatnot, like you should be scared. I think he's got every right to say that. I think it's kind of justified because I mean but, uh, we've, we've seen some results like Barcelona the four nil, and there's been a few other big games as well. So I think, I mean, he has every right to say it. But yeah, I think Simeone definitely used that as a mental, like a mental kind of bridge. If you know what I mean. I mean, like you said about. Yeah. The quote on the shortboard or something in the locker room. I think, yeah, I, th- I think he did that, you know. Right, right, right. And I, I was more talking about um, Robertson's comments. And I know he was kind of set up by the reporter, but he doesn't have to say that. And I feel like once Simeone gets that into information, it's like, because I think it was over before ball was kicked. And I know Liverpool have the better team, but I feel like he, Simeone is such a mental character. And I think those parts of, his management style is why he's become one of the world's best. So once that happened, I'm like, uh-oh, Liverpool are in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing, though, we did dominate that game. And I think the mental Oh, side, absolutely. Yeah, the mental side of it was probably the um, second leg of extra time where they scored the three goals. That's probably where it came in, like the drop. But the, the whole game itself, we had about 20-plus shots. I think we, we still obviously played the best we could. But yeah, I think that they gave them the drive to keep on going and they never gave up. And hence why they ended up scoring the goals they did to um, go through. Right, exactly. And I, I, I watched the both legs and I think the second leg, Liverpool were the better team and I think deservingly should have probably won. But again, it comes down to those little moments where the game is gone for them and in the back of their head is, oh, remember what they said about us. And then that gave them the inspiration to, to come through and, and come late and, you know, all that stuff. And, I mean, it, it wasn't just that. It was, I, I think Old Block had a terrific game through both legs, and that might have contributed as well. But I just think, especially in extra time when it, it looked like it, it wasn't going to happen for them, they sort of used that as sort of like, let's go get this now. Cheyenne, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I was actually at that game at Anfield. And I... I saw how amazing O'Black's saves were, like, actually in front of me. It was crazy. And I think that was predominantly the reason why. But the way I look at football is the same thing doesn't keep happening, which 
is why say United aren't as good as they used to be. Why Liverpool aren't that poor anymore? Because things do change. So um, like for example, the Leicester v Arsenal game, it ended the draw, and it has only ended the draw once since the Premier League at Arsenal. But it was going to happen at some point, and that's how I always look. So I also thought Southampton would beat City because that sort of thing as well. So, um, yeah, so I think like a lot of people just go back on like what happened before. So, for example, like Barcelona and a few years before, like Borussia Dortmund, but they failed to, um, like, see that this, that won't keep happening. And there will be good times and bad times with a football club. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, no, I was still shocked. I, I thought for sure Liverpool were going to go through. But um, I have to agree with Ellie. I do think Simeone really did use that as motivation. But Oblock did play out of his mind in those matches. Maybe that's why, though. So, you know what I mean? Maybe even extra yeah. motivation. I mean, I think he's the best in the world, but on top of that, he probably is thinking about those things as well. So, anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Cheyenne, do you think that losing to Real Madrid in a Champions League final and losing a title race to Man City last year helped Liverpool? Yeah, I think it inspired us to become mentality monsters. I think, um, like, getting there, especially in the way we did in 17-18, because that was our season with the best attack in play. Our attack was better than it is now, but our defence wasn't so much. It wasn't too bad after we brought Van Dijk in January, but um, they, like, it was so exciting the way they got there. And to be honest, I might be being a bit biased, but I do think we were the best team in the Champions League that season. And then it ended in heartbreak. And then they kicked on the next season and got there. And But in the same season, they finished second by only one point. And then they kicked on this season and got to become champions. So I think there's... Um, huge mentality in in Liverpool at the moment. I got you. Um, I agree. I think um, any loss. I don't want to say. Like, I don't think. Obviously, you don't want your team to lose, but I think like like those extra like losses, like the extra heartbreak, just like motivated your team like more, and I think it pushed them over. I mean, surely in the Champions League, I 100% pushed them over the edge. I think this year, after they won a major trophy, they just knew they could do it. Uh, what do you think, Jack? Do you think it helped well, I think or hurt? it definitely helped. I mean, it's evident because we lost the Champions League final, and the season after we won it, Premier League lost that by one point. This season, we won it. So, yeah, I think it's definitely evident that it helped. And, yeah, it just goes to show the mentality because, I mean, if you look at, like, Spurs, they were obviously in a similar position to us in seventeen eighteen, but instead of pushing on, they've progressed massively and now they're like what ninth place in the league and they obviously sacked Pochettino. So it all depends on mentality again, I think, and we definitely had that. Yep. 
All right. Um, Elliot, um, yep. did you want to, because that's all the Liverpool questions we have. Did you want to talk about the uh, Serie A title race for everybody? Um, are, we don't have any more questions. No, that was all of our Liverpool Wait, questions. I, I have a few, if you don't mind. Go for all it. All right. Um, hold on a second here. Okay, I, I have like a few. Um, just give me a second. Okay, um, so given given that you just won the league and all that stuff, so there's going to be a lot of confidence going into next season. Um, how worried are you about a potential uh, Premier League champion concern, like a hangover over the winning it this season? And if you were bo- going to point to something that you need to strengthen to able to to, to win it again, what would it be? I think to strengthen definitely be depth because there's been quite a lot of times this season. I mean. Against Palace, like a few days ago, we were it was nil nil until we brought on the likes of Firmino, Henderson, and Wijnaldum. Like we've got some good players as backups, but compared to Man City, like if you look at the benches on a regular basis, they're just it's just different class, different class on their bench. So I think getting Werner would have done that, but we in the end, obviously finances and whatnot, and Thiago, I doubt that's going to happen either. So I'm not sure what business we're going to do, but I think depth will help. But um, I'm a bit concerned. Always, because obviously won the Champions League last season. This season, knocked out in the last sixteen. Never a good look. Not sure how how it will go, but I mean, we've improved every single season since Klopp came. So hopefully, it just keeps continuing like that. Yeah, I think we need to um strengthen in depth. I don't think we have many other things that we need to strengthen in. I mean, for example. Um, there was a bit of a scare with Gomez earlier, like a tiny bit, and um, Lovren and Matip are both injured at the moment, so we wouldn't have had anyone to come on for them because we have a few players that are more prone to getting injuries, so that means we need even more depth than we would anyway, and I think we need some depth to... um. To just keep challenging more because some of our players are aging. Not many though, but we might um um start getting less fit and stuff. And it's just always nice to have that player you can bring on, say that super sub. And I I think we're we'll do good next season. I I think there's a high chance we will retain it. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself and be too cocky. It will be so much closer next season and there will be more teams challenging. Like, for example, Chelsea will and I think Man City. But I I don't think Man United are quite there yet. Okay, cool. I have have two more questions and then we can move on. Um, In this Liverpool team, what do you think is the most valuable piece of this? I think Van Dijk. I think he had the biggest impact when he came in. We went from a team that in 17-18, like Sharon said, we had the best attack. Well, attack was the best at that point, probably the best in the world, the best trio. But once he came in, right. we went from a team that would just outscore opponents, win like 4-3, to being able to keep a 1-0 win and concede less than 25 goals a season. The impact he's had is amazing. So I think him... Wait, so would you would you say that he's more valuable than even Klopp himself? And to follow it up, do you think this 
this Liverpool team could have won the the title, even even with somebody else. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because Klopp's obviously been the, the one who's built this team. I mean, right. I'd probably, I'd imagine we, we've got a good recruitment team, but I'd imagine he was the most vocal when some of the players he wanted in the system. So, I guess if you, I mean, I was thinking players, but yeah, I don't think anyone's as valuable as Klopp is. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, if you're going on, like in general, it's definitely Klopp that's the most valuable. But I think um, it's probably Van Dyke if I think about it because. He's he's got some colleagues that captains have, for example, and he's very vocal. And you see, he's he's one of the best players in the world, and and he's just getting better and better. And he's in his prime at the moment. So yeah, I think it's him really, but I'm not sure if it's like it's not like. In some things where, like, the players are, like, miles ahead, like, miles the better player, because I think that it's quite close competition with Liverpool with our players. All right, um, I got I got two more, and then uh, we'll move on. Um, why do you think um, the the? I mean, obviously, you guys won the Champions League final five and had. Uh, and then you had the, the era with uh, Gerard and Torres and and that team and uh, all obviously all the good pieces. Why do you think that team wasn't able to get the job done? Do you want to go first, Sean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because um, like back then in two thousand and five, Gerard pulled the team through a lot as well in two thousand six when we won against West Ham. And we had good players. So, for example, we had, like, Gerard, Carragher, and Garcia was pretty good. And, like, that's an example of some players that were good at that time. But our whole team wasn't good. Like, a bit later, we had Torres and then Suarez. But, like, maybe if they played together, which I never did. We could have been a bit better. But now we have strength in every position, whereas if you look then, or even in 13 points, you see that there was quite a few weak, weak links and dead wood in our team, which is why we failed, or like in 13 points, or why... Um, I rate this team higher, and I think we've managed to. I think it's why we've managed to win the Premier League now. Yeah, I agree. I think certain um, positions, specifically 13 14, the defence as a whole, just nowhere near good enough to win the league, conceded 50 goals. 08 09, finished second, full backs were average. Wingers, I mean, Dirk Howe is a I mean, great player on his day and really hard working, but we, they weren't world class, him and Ryan Babel. So. I think like now, now that we've got really good players in every position, that's definitely been the um, the main reason why we are now able to win trophies. Okay, all right. So my last question is: um, Harris can do this, but uh, how important was stealing both Mohamed Salah and Allison from Roma, and what was the biggest impact when they came into the squad initially? 
Yeah, I think it was very important because we needed an attacking player like Salah when we bought him because we we had quite a few attackers from like when Rogers was there who didn't work out, for example, like Balotelli, Benteke, and like people like that, and like Origi wasn't exactly working out anymore, and like we had Mane, but it was like um, it was just him and Coutinho. His best position wasn't always on the wing; it was often in midfield, and he started becoming better in midfield. So it felt like we needed someone to um to be in our, to join in on the wing. But obviously, before Salah joined, Mane used to play in right wing, and then he converted to left wing when Salah joined. So, yeah. And obviously, he had that 44-goal season in his first season. And that was like a once-in-a-lifetime season. Like, I, I didn't expect him to replicate it in the next season. But every season since then he still had a pretty good tally and he's now I think third in the Premier League scorers chart and last season he also won the golden boot like the season before by breaking the record of goals in the Premier League season so yeah I think we needed someone like that because he has a lot of pace he's um great dribbler great passer and he he can just like make a goal out of anything so yeah I think we needed him and then then like I said earlier about when we bought Van Dyke in 17 we saw that there was still something missing even though we were improving defensively there was still something missing in our backline and goalkeeper, and I think Karius was pretty good, but then, like, the final performance overshadowed everything, and people think he's worse than he was, but um, you could see that we probably needed a new goalkeeper, and that, that was, goalkeeper was Alisson, and, like, he's just been immense for us ever since, like, I know some people are doubt, like, doubting us getting him. Well, like, doubting how good he'll be for us because he conceded six um, versus Liverpool in the Champions League. But but that's against Liverpool. And that that was in the 17-18 um, season what, like, when, like I said earlier, uh, our attacks like, the best, was, like, the best. So it, it wasn't hard to concede so many goals to a Liverpool team, especially if it's over two games as well. So, yeah. Ryan, that's all I got. So you can take back over. All right. So my next question is for um, Elliot and Jack. Um, I would like you guys both to give me your Champions League team of the season so far. Are we doing this together or are we going to do our separate teams? Oh, okay, you want to go first, Elliot? Uh, I got to figure something out. Can you go first? Yeah, I'll go. 
okay, in goal, I've got Oblak. We were talking about him earlier. The um, game against us, he made nine saves that game. I actually noted it down. I mean, world-class keeper, best shot stopper in the world for sure. And he kept four clean sheets as well in the whole tournament so far. So I've got him in goal. Right back, I've got Hakimi. Again, four goals. And, you know, had a great season overall. And I think Inter, he's going to be a great success there. Thiago Silva in defence, because he's only conceded two. Got Felipe from Atletico Madrid. Again, against us, he was amazing. And in the group stages too, he had some really notable performances. Left-back, Tagliafico. I think I saw a stat he's made the most tackles in the Champions League so far. Three clean sheets as well. Because even though Ajax got knocked out, I thought it was really impressive in the group stage. Um, right wing, I've got Gnabry. Because he's got six goals. I mean, it was at uni. I was watching the um, Spurs game because we did a match report on it. And he, he just tore them apart. And there was that game where I knew he was going to be... Like, the ne- I'd say the next big thing is 24, but he's getting better still. But yeah, the next big thing, really. Central midfield, I've got Tolisso and Sabitza. Both got four goals each. Both played consistently and really well too. And then left wing, got Hakim Ziyech. Four assists against Chelsea. He was amazing. And then up front, I've got Lewandowski and Haaland. Again, both got 10 plus goals. So yeah, that's my team. All right. I'm, I'm going with the back three just so you know. Okay. Um, so I got, I got O'Block in goal. Obviously, I think he's the best um, best goalkeeper in the world. I think he's a generational talent. Um, in the Liverpool game alone, I think he's been good enough to, to make it. Um, I got Joshua Kimmich at um, one of my backs. Um, I think he's one of the – I only consider a short amount of people world-class, and I think he's he's had another great season in the Champions League. Um, I got Hakimi um, from uh, Dortmund. He singly, single-handedly knocked out Inter Milan from the Champions League, um, and he's been just been fantastic throughout. Uh, but that performance specifically is what made me put him. Um, I got Van Dyke. Um, it might not have been his best in the Champions League, but I, every time I watch him, I'm always impressed, so I, I couldn't uh, go away from that. Um, right mid, I got um, Gnabry. Um, he scored four goals against Spurs. He's just been killing it at Bayern Munich, not just in the Champions League, but in the Bundesliga. I got Thiago and Messi for my central mid. Uh, statistically, maybe not the best, but I, I've been so impressed with the both of them. Um, on my left, I have um, – he's technically a striker, but I, I just couldn't leave him off. Um, Mbappe, he's been terrific for Paris. Um, don't need to say more than that. I go Papo Gomez as my central mid, uh, sorry, central center forward. Um, I think Atlanta's not in this position without him, even though he may not have been the best player on the team. I think he's the one always orchestrating everything. And um, I think he's, he's a big reason why I think Atlanta will end up going very far in this competition. And then up, up front, I have Lewandowski. And, um, obviously, he's just been a machine. And I got um, Joseph Ilicic from Atlanta up top as well. Awesome. So, Jack, I do have one more for you. This one's for you and Cheyenne. Um, can you both give us your Premier League team oh, of the season, Ryan. please? Cheyenne's going to do awards, remember? Because she did it already. Oh, yeah. She already did the – She already did the, we did that already. My yeah, mistake. So she, so, uh, she does awards and Jack does team of the season. Yeah, um, I've got Dean Henderson in goal. Not Allison because he's missed quite a few games. So I thought it would be unfair to have him in. But Dean Henderson's been a lot better than I thought he would. Um, Cheyenne, can you uh, give your awards then? 
Wait, no. Just let, let, him, let him do it first, and then we can throw it to her after. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, as I said, key to Sheffield United's um, season because they're challenging for Europe, which, I mean, no one thought that could happen, and he's been a key part of that. Right back, I've got Alexander-Arnold. I mean, best right back in the league, arguably the world, 12 assists. Can't really say anymore. Same with Van Dijk, who I've got in centre-back. Again, I mean, player of the season last season. It's, yeah, you can't, don't need to say any more about that either. But um, I've got something to next to him, which is obviously that's a more debatable debatable one. Some people think he's a bit overrated, but I do still think he's quality. Didn't play well against Arsenal, but he's replaced Maguire really well. Really good on the ball, good in the air. Decision-making isn't always the best, but I still think he's a really good centre-back. Left-back, I've got Robertson, eight assists, and I think he's stronger defensively than Alexander-Arnold, too. So I think he, he balances it out of like, them being quite is equally as good. Holding midfielder Henderson, I mean, without him in the team, we're half, we're half a team. I mean, the Watford game was without him that we lost. Chelsea and FA Cup, we lost without him. And against West Ham, we won 3-2, but we were getting carved, carved through the midfield. So, without him in the team, we're just nowhere near as good as we are. So, I think he's crucial to the way we play. Central midfield, I've got Kovacic and De Bruyne. De Bruyne, I mean, 11 goals, 17 assists. I mean, probably should win the player of the season, in my opinion. And then Kovacic, I think, is really underrated. Because I remember Sky Sports did like a Chelsea player of the season and he wasn't an option for some reason. I, I really think he's their best player. So I'm surprised that he goes unnoticed a lot. Right wing, I've got Salah. I mean, tonight he won the game on his own, really. I mean, two goals and assist. Probably going to win his, hopefully win his third goal in a boot in a row, which would be amazing. And so I think he's definitely in the right. And then left wing, I've got Mane. Again, but 16 goals, seven assists. Some really important goals as well, like against Villa at home and away. He won both of those games. And then Striper, I've got Vardy, because he on 22 goals. And at the age of 33, it's still crazy how good he is now. So that's my thing. Yeah. Um, my young player of the season is Trent Alexander-Arnold, because as Jack said, he's the, the best um, right back in the Premier League. And possibly in the role too. And like he's got 12 assists, which tells the story itself. But he's also only one assist away from breaking the assist records by a defender in the Premier League. And um, he, he will break it from himself from last season, which is quite funny. And it, it shows how good he is. And yeah, I really... um. I like rate him really highly, and yeah, he he's definitely the best right back in my opinion as well. So, um, my player of the season would be Kevin De Bruyne because his his assists and from like scoring record has spoken for itself, like. Last season, he missed most of the season due to in- different injuries, which was a shame because it's such a miss to see, so, um, to see City without a player like him or just the Premier League without a player like him because he's just so exciting to watch. And the free kick he scored a few weeks ago, that was, that was beautiful as well. And 
he scored like a few like that this season. So yeah, he definitely deserves to be there. And my was it um what else were awards were there? Yep. What other awards were there? Manager, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, manager would be um Klopp because he improved on on last season. Like, I mean, we haven't got more points yet, but we will most likely finish on more points than last season. But we've got a striking mentality and we've drew much less games than last season. And we've also, like, um, got like so many points ahead like 23 at the moment and that was done for a lot of dedication I think part of the reason why we're so many points ahead is like it throwing Man City off that like how well we kept doing how many weeks we kept winning like some sometimes it would be like by the odd goal and that just kept um us going and I think it probably throw Man City off. So, yeah. Do you have like a most improved? You don't have to, but I'm just just out of it. What most improved player? Yeah. Yeah. So. Go ahead. What like um. Someone who was good last year but has taken a huge step this year or something. You don't have to. I'm just I'm just giving you ideas. Um, I think. Jorginho. Because, okay. like, a lot of people were saying, like, last year that he was overrated and he's not going to do good and he's not ready for the Premier League. But this season he's proved his worth for Chelsea. All right. Um, so, Elliot, um, do you guys want to preview the Champions League before fan questions? Yeah, and then ask me some Syria questions at the end as well. All right, so um, who's your guy? Also, who do you predict to win the Champions League this year? Who do I think is going to win the Champions League this year? Yeah. Should I just say one team or the, the three teams I think are most likely to? Yeah, three teams are most likely to. Um, I mean, I, I have the two obvious ones. I have uh, PSG or um, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, I think um, – Probably the, the the big favorites here. Um, I think um, they 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 haven't really sort of, of done this in a while, and they have they had the team to do it. And it's this opportunity is as good as any to get over that hump. I think it's a great team. They they didn't walk the Bundesliga, but at the end they, they really pulled away and showed the difference in quality. Um, I PSG, um, their attack is ridiculous. I think they have good players all over the place. They do tend to come up short in these situations, but maybe this time, especially if you have a Neymar at 100%, I think they're going to be tough to beat. Um, I'm actually going to do four. Um, Man City, they're not going to be the Champions League for two years, at least as it stands. I think this is their best chance to win it, especially given the situation. Um, they, have great, they have great players. Kevin De Bruyne, Pep still has, has the ability to win the Champions League with this team. Um, and this is going to be their last chance for two years. And then I'd say... This is going to sound crazy, but I think Atlanta has a legit chance here. 
just because of the format that it's being played in. Um, they can get hot and beat anybody when they're at their best. If Atlanta are at their best, they could they can cut through big teams. And since there's only one leg, they just have to beat them once. So winning whatever two three games in a row to get to the to get to the final and winning it. I mean, I, I think they're capable of doing it. I would say they're a dark horse, but I think if they had end up winning the Champions League, I wouldn't be surprised because their attack is just that good. But uh, I think they're also benefiting from this because defensively they're not as good. But I think they got a chance, even if it's a small one. I think I'm going to go with Man City to win. I think um, I'm not sure whether the band's going to go in place because I think they're going to appear when I reckon they're going to appear against it and it'll, um, it'll work and they'll be able to play the next season. But with it, all of it being uncertain, I think they're going to be driven to actually win it this year because it might be their last chance, or at least a last chance for a few, last chance for a few players. So I think they'll they've got the quality as well. I mean, they're two one up against Real Madrid, won that game in the burn battle. So I think they're they're my favourites. Awesome. Uh, Cheyenne, who's your favorite? Either Man City or Bayern Munich. Kind of, um, I kind of like to see Bayern win it in some ways. Because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are like doubting them early on, like in the season. And they, if they win it, they'll be treble winners. So. It would be like great to see to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, and my pick, um, I'm going with Man City because, like Jack said, um, this is probably like the last chance for some of their players. Um, Aguero's not getting any younger. Um, and I just think like they know that this could very easily be their last real chance if the band tilt up for at least the next five or six years. So I think they're gonna go and end up winning it. Um, so before we go to fan questions, Elliot, you react to the two Roma debacles over the last week and how they turned it around today. All right. Well, <laughs> um, so last week we played Uneze. It was probably the worst Roma performance I've seen in probably about three years when we lost the Derby against Lazio during uh, when we had Salah and all those guys. Um, it was awful. It was a bad lineup. Um, Fonseca rested our best attacking players and put them on the bench and we made the leagues one of the league's worst attacks who had lost nine in a row and we had beaten 12 of the last 13 times we made them look like barcelona and we looked like a high school jv team i mean they just ripped through us they scored scored twice uh two goals disallowed everyone was pretty horrendous um the only players who were good at all were smalling and Diawara. Outside of that, we just absolutely shat the bed, and we were we were genuinely terrible. And it was it wasn't just that; it was the circumstances that followed. Um, Atlanta had beaten Napoli earlier that day, and we had an opportunity to go six points clear of Napoli, which would have put us more comfortably in fifth place. But we had to play the following week, and it was it was just it was a disaster from start to finish. It was genuinely terrible. Um, there was no creati- to, no creativity in the midfield. Pellegrini and Vertut weren't there, which are two really important pieces of our midfield. And it was just it was a disaster. I I don't I usually can compose myself when I'm watching Roma games, but I I reached level of anger. I couldn't I can't even explain. It was it was just so bad. Um, anyway, uh, Napoli was better. 
I thought Paul Lopez kept us in the game. Uh, we really probably should have been silenced much earlier, but he was putting on just a incredible goalkeeping display. He was basically denying everything that came his way. Um, they got one past us in the first uh, in the second half, and then I thought it was game over. But then Nikitarian got us back on track, and then. Unfortunately, with eight minutes to go, um, Lorenzo Insigne hit a bomb into the left-hand corner um, to end it. Um, so that was better, but still not good enough. Still not enough creativity. There was too much miscommunication. It was we lost Smalling after 25 minutes, and the back, the back line has been really bad, especially since the restart. We just forgot how to defend, and we're putting ourselves in harm's way. But I was much more pleased with that. Um, Today was a different story. It was it was almost like it was a completely um, different team to what we've seen over the last over the last two. We they we we conceded an early penalty and Parma went one one nil up after like six minutes. But outside of that, we completely dominated. We had control. We attacked really well. And the the, the best part about that was Jacko had a really bad game. He didn't do practically anything, and he's usually our our, our main goal scorer. And um, we got back into it, Mkhitaryan got us within um, equalized before halftime and uh, Jordan Vertaux uh, ended up scoring a ridiculous goal from outside the box. And we probably could have scored three or four more, but for me, the important thing for, for me was that we were, we had more creativity in the midfield and we were attacking much better because over the last two games, we weren't going forward, which is usually what we do best. Um, so I'll take the three points. We got a long way to go and we get, we go back to fifth place, which is something I really want to hold on to since we had, like a nine-point lead in that position early in the season. Um, so for us, I think we just got to take that performance and try to con continue to build on it. All right. Um, so do we have fan questions this week? Yeah, a bunch. Uh, All right. So, yeah. Oh, before we start that, um, I want to give Jack the opportunity um, to shout out his uh, football group on Facebook, if you'd like oh, to. Oh, yeah. Wait, which football group? Because um... – What's oh, that diehard fans like your Actually, I've got two if that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, that's like, fine. With diehard fans, got, we're nearing, nearing 40,000 members. If you're listening and you aren't in the group, feel free to join. And also, um, I've got a page called The Football Historian where we post like historic football content and a few modern videos and like, banter here and there. So if you want to give that a like as well, The Football Historian, that would be great. Awesome. So everybody uh, give a like to Football Historian and join Football Diehard fans. All right, so I guess it's time for a fan question. Yeah, um, if, if there's – I mean, it's not all Premier League. It's, it's kind of mixed up a bunch. So if you don't have an answer for one of the questions, then that's fine. Um, I wrote down some of the people's names, but then there were so many that I, I just stopped doing it. So I'm going to read the people's names that I wrote down. Um, but we'll start with this one. Um, since me and Ryan are from the States, uh, Glenn Thompson asks – how far can uh, Pulisic go as a player? Um, Ryan, you, you can go first. Um, I, I rate him rather highly, but I'm incredibly biased because I've always wanted to see a player like this. Um, I don't think he'll ever get top 10 status in the world, maybe not even top 20, but I think he's going to be a key contributor on Chelsea uh, title-winning teams in the very near future. I could see maybe like a 10 to 15 goal season guy and um, definitely um, hopefully carry the U.S. national team farther in tournaments in the near future. 
Yeah, Anyone else who yeah, wants to answer? Go. Yeah, I, I think he's got quite a high ceiling. He showed against City is um his finish. He showed he's got the ability. Just needs to be more consistent. Maybe it's a confidence thing as well. And he's a really good dribbler too. And he's only I think he's only what twenty one years old still. Twenty one, twenty two. So he's got a long yes twenty one. So he's got loads of years ahead of him. I think he can definitely become one of the best wing in the Premier League, possibly the world. We'll see. All right, uh, Elliot, what's your take? Oh, um, I you know I think I think he's really special. I think he's a really talented player. Um, I was wrong about him. I thought he should have stayed in Dortmund for another two seasons. Um, he's proven this season at Chelsea that he's capable of handling the Premier League. Um, and I think a lot of people thought he would flop, and I'm I'm actually really pleased that he's been able to do um, some really nice things for Chelsea. And I think I'm I'm with you on Ryan. I don't think he's ever going to be a top twenty player. But he he will be a player that can that will make a big impact on on Chelsea potentially winning trophies, and especially if he's in uh, Frank Lampard's good graces and gets a lot of playing time, I think he's going to be special because he's this is, has been statistically his best ever season. I think um, he's special, but I'm I'm just still going to wait off um, a little bit because I want to see him do more for the national team. But as just a club player, I think he's fantastic. Cheyenne, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think like, I always always have faith in him doing quite well. Um, I know like some people doubted him at first and thought, oh, it's just some, another overhyped type player, but he's he's pro- proven himself recently, and I can see him like doing well. And I don't think I like he will get to like, maybe top 10 or even top 20 in the world, like what was said just now. But there's so many good players, so that's hard anyway. But I think he will be maybe one of the greats of this sort of generation. So, yeah. All right, nice. Um, Next question is, what are your expectations for next season in the league in Europe? Um, and what do you think your fan base will uh, expecting? The guys, I can't pronounce his last Stevie Chinkos. Um, whoever wants to go first, go ahead. Uh, I mean, hopefully we get to Europe this year, that the next year, even if Europa League, that's still meant to be seen. Um, my expectation, at least what I would take as an Arsenal fan, I mean, we've been pretty terrible the past two seasons. So if we would finish fifth in Arteta's first year, first full season, and get improvements and maybe sign a baby into a longer contract, um, I'd definitely take that. And in terms of Europa League, because I would absolutely hope we go farther this year. Like, the semifinals would probably be, like, the only thing acceptable for me. Because I think, especially with Saka and Martinelli and Eddie and Kentia and, like, all the young talent that we have coming up, there's no reason that we shouldn't go for it and try to win it. Whoever wants to go next. And that's me. I mean... Yeah, go ahead. I'll go, yeah. I mean, we talked about Liverpool earlier, about the expectations. I guess it's the case of just um, trying to do the same again, win the league again, hopefully have another good have a good Champions League run. And I would like to see us do well in the FA Cup as well, like Sharon said earlier. I've never seen us win it either because I was only about five when we won it. So I think it'd be really good if we could maybe win a double next season. Yeah, I'd like to see us um, 
just continue how we left off. So hopefully a league title, but at least a challenge and an FA Cup would be really nice. And anything getting sure would be a bonus as well. All right, I guess I'll go. Um, my expectations is not to suck. Um, I guess get into the Europa League. I'm sort of accepted. The Lazio is really strong. Juventus is going to be back. Inter is going to be strong again. I just Napoli is going to get better. I don't. I don't see Roma getting into the Champions League at least um, for the next couple of years. Um, but I think that that has to be the expectation because I think people think that we have. You know, we, we should have enough to, to get in Champions League. I disagree. I think we need a lot more before we even think that. But I at least want to get into the Europa League and at least make the quarter, the quarterfinals um, consistently. And I think the expectations are going to be getting the Champions League. But I, I think that's totally unrealistic. So I, my expectations would just get, get to the Europa League. Um, all right. So the next one, we kind of went over this already. Um, uh, what, are the, what are the chances that Man City win the Champions League? Um, you can just say a few words. I'm going to say it's a very good chance. They're one of three teams that will probably win it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, as we all discussed, we all think they're up, they could be up there and they're going to compete. I still think they'll win it. I think, I mean, I've, I've said that for the past three seasons and I've been wrong for the first two, but this year I've still, I've still got a hunch. I think they'll win it. Yeah. Anyone got anything else to add about that? Or... Just I mean, I think chance. they have. Oh, go ahead, yeah, just I think they have a massive chance of doing it because it's bound to happen sooner or later. And yeah, I I, I think they have an eight out of ten chance to do it this year. They're my definitely my favorite. The only team I can really see stopping them, honestly, is uh, Bayern Munich. I really think PSG are going to be hurt by this very, very, very long break that they've had, and they're going to struggle to get back into playing form. So, yeah, I definitely give them a run an 8 out of 10 chance to win the Champions League. Cool. Um, so, this one is pick a surprise package for next season. Um, and Adam Oliver is the one who sent it. I need to think about it, so someone else go first. Oh, I need to think about this, too. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, um, <laughs> I'll go for a quick. Like, good team. A surprise package team in the Champions League, do you mean? I just said leagues. So, any. Uh, I mean, you guys are probably going to say the Premier League. But what's what's a team that's not that's gonna potentially push? Who wants know, to go first? I'll just think quickly. I need to think too. You know what? I think Arsenal. Just from the last few games, I know it's just a little running form, but I think some of the goals are Sabalas' pass into Saka, his assist for Aubameyang, that kind of football. If they keep it up consistently and stay as defensively solid as they have been for the past few games. I think they could be possibly even push for the top four or even fifth, as Ryan said, would still be great. But yeah, I think Arsenal will improve a lot and all the bantering that they've been getting, I think it'll die down a bit next season if Arsenal gets it all right. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, I'm not going to say Arsenal just because I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm actually going to say Parma because I've been watching a lot of Serie A this year. They've really... Go ahead. I'm sorry, but they they've really they've really impressed me, and I, I honestly think they have um they could be fighting for a Europa League spot next year. All right, I'll I'll not do that one because you just did. Um, I'm gonna go. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go Bologna. Um, they I think they have a really good team. They're really attacking. They they tend to be to play up to the competition. Um, so as long as as long as they they're able to. 
to perform better against lower teams, I think they're going to be great. I really think Muzo Barlow and um, Orsolini are, are special together. So if they add another piece, I really could see them making the Europa League maybe next season. Yeah, I think um, I know this is probably quite a long shot, but I think Leeds United will do good in the Premier League next season because it has been so long. So I think that they're going to like cement their place in the Premier League. But I could be wrong, and yeah, and I think like I agree with Arsenal as well. I think that that. They've been playing well in recent games. And if they make a few more additions, they could get better and qualify for Champions League next season, maybe. All right. Uh, the next one is, can Acardi replace Cavani long-term? Or is it was it just one for... Sorry. Can Acardi replace... Sorry. Can Acardi can replace Cavani long-term, or was it just one good first season? And James Bowen asked. I'm going to say uh, Cavani. I think Cavani is really special. I think he's sensational. So I don't expect Mauro Acardi to do what he did exactly, but I think he can supply enough goals and assists and all that. And I think So I think, I think he can replace him. I don't think he can fill his shoes necessarily, but I think uh, he'll do well enough for PSG to, um, to feel good about signing him. I agree as well. I mean, this season, I've just looked it up, he scored 20 goals in all competitions in just 31 games. So I think he's already there in terms of output. Obviously, Cavani's special for them, all-time top scorer. I don't think he'll reach that height, those heights, but for the next yeah, few I agree. years, it, during Riccardi's prime years, I think he'll be just maybe just as good of a goal scorer, or at least good enough yeah. that they'll compete for the Champions League more. Especially if uh, either Mbappe or, or Neymar leaves. Yeah. That will make him even more valuable, so... Um, Ryan, what do you think? I think uh, he'll fill his shoes. Um, um, not fill his shoes. I mean, I think he's a decent replacement. He will fill his shoes. I mean, everybody knows how special Cavani's been um, with PSG and Uruguay. Um, I think moving out of uh, Milan was probably the best thing to happen to Cardi. Um, it's gotten rid of all the distractions. Um, I know me and you have talked about the lot to say a bunch, but yeah, I think it was probably the best thing that's ever happened to him. And I think I could see him probably scoring about 20 goals in the league alone next season. Yeah. Jayan, do you have any opinion on this? Or I just agree with what you've said. I think, yeah, he can, he can do a good job for them and be a good replacement. Okay. Um, next one, this was – I put a few in here. Um, me and Ryan talked about this on our other podcast, but I'm just going to go over it again just – you guys think, and I'll go first on this one. Um, apparently, Dorossi is going to take over at Florentina. Uh, what do you think of the move, and does it work? Um, like I said on the previous episode, it's it's going to be weird seeing him in a Florentina sideline and all that stuff if, if indeed he gets that job. Um, it's going to feel uncomfortable from a Roma fan. I'm excited for the spectacle, and I think his press conferences and the emotions that he'll he'll have on the, on the sideline are going to be excellent. I don't think it works. I think this is this is a Florentino team that vastly underachieved this season, and they already have some locker room issues. I think um, Spalletti would have been a much better um, choice here, but um, as a fan, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited too. I mean, I was really surprised because, I mean, has he got any prior coaching experience? But didn't he only retire last year? He doesn't have his coaching license yet, so 
Yeah, it was really it's surprising. Like, it's a really risky move. It could it'd be a high risk. It could be amazing. It could flop entirely. I'm really interested to see how it works out. Ryan? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, I think it's quite surprising because he hasn't really had much experience in in coaching. But it could work out or it could go it could turn into a total disaster. Like some some managers have went straight to rules, like big rules and done well, but that's like quite rare. Like you see people like Steven Gerrard, he went to he went to Liverpool under ratings first and Pep Guardiola also went to Barcelona the Barcelona Academy first before he went to the Barcelona first team. So I think it's better when you start a bit lower to get the grasp of it and then you can work your way up from there. Oh. Right you... I, I'm just interested I'm just interested to see how it plays out. Um, I do have a question for you, Elliot, though, just because, like, you've fouled the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. What do you think the absolute best that can come out of the situation is? In terms of? Realistically. Like, in terms of, like, finish the Florentina next year. Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say I think he can change the locker room issues that they have. I think they'll be a much more collectively and, and together group. Um, we'll see what kind of signings he brings in. Um, but with the team itself, they're talented enough to to to, um, to finish at least in the top ten. Um, I don't expect them to be in the relegation battle next season. I, I do think Spalletti was a better choice, but I think there are certain aspects of this team that will be much stronger next season just because of his passion. And De Rossi doesn't take shit from anyone. He's going to be tough, and he's going to be he's he's going to from just the like teaching aspect. A lot of these players are going to make big uh, transitions next season. If that sort of transitions into points, I, it's hard to say. But I think the locker room issues will be sort of settled, and I think the players they'll be more they'll be more together next season. Um, okay, so the next one I got like I think four more. Um, the next one is uh, since Inter signed um, Hakimi, um, what other areas do they need to strengthen, or do they, was that enough for the title? Um, Jack, I'm interested to see what you had to say about it. So I'll let you, I'll, you go first. Yeah, I mean, Akimi's probably the best option they could get for um, right wing back. I think definitely left wing back's what they'll need to improve next because their options there aren't strong either. I think sent, defensively they're strong. Handanovic's a great keeper. Obviously, they need to make sure they can keep um, Lautaro Martinez because him and Lukaku have been, you know, firing really well this season. And obviously, getting Ericsson was great. So I think, yeah, just. Just left wing back, and then there'd be a bit more depth, and I think they can challenge for the title. I agree. I, I just say left wing back and keep Martinez. I mean, if they lose Martinez, though, I, I firmly believe that Juve will win it again next year, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, I think it's enough. I think they should get because I think they're going to get Tenali. So in my mind, that you know, that's just another piece of what are what are they already building, um, and maybe if they could sign a winger, um, I also would like to see them get um, just Kevin Laz- Kevin Lazine from Udinese as a as a backup striker, um, 
it's, but if Martinez goes, unless they replace him for, with someone really excellent, it's going to be tough. But I think given the finance situation, it will buy them a year with Martinez. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I just agree with what everyone else has said. All right, that's fine. I don't have much more to add. Yeah, I got, I get that. Um, so uh, the next one is, how far do you think Atlanta can go in the Champions League this season? I'll answer this first. Um, how far do you think Atlanta can go th- go this season? Um, I think they'll make the semifinals minimum. I think given the format and the situation that they're in, they are um, as attacking-minded as any team. I They're like... They're not as good as Liverpool, but going forward, I think they're equally as good. I think they're they're truly sensational from the midfield all the way up front. Uh, defending is only going to be their issue, and if they outscore their opponents in a one-leg game, that's going to help them. So, I think they they're I think they'll make the semifinals. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, anyone else who wants to answer? Go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I think Ilicic has been amazing. Completely joined. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's see. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. Um, welcome back. Um, Elliot, you're going on yeah, about Atlanta. Um, Jack, just continue answering my question. Oh, wait, there he is. Sorry. <laughs> Jack, are you there? So you guys were talking about Atlantia? Just Pardon? continue answering the question. Um, what was the question uh, how far Atlanta can go in the Champions League? Sorry, I just we got cut off before that. I, I think they'll go really yeah, go far. On. As I was saying, Ilicic has been amazing this season. Obviously, they've got Zipaka and uh, Gomez as well. He's been instrumental. The system's really good. It's got the best out of the wing-backs, uh, defence and midfield. Gasparini's done a brilliant job. I think semi-finals as well. Ryan, what about you? Uh, I'm hoping final. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and open and playing, praying for the final. Um, I do think semifinals is more realistic, but they're the team I want to see win it. I want to see it more than anything because I think that'd be one of the – I don't know. Me and Elliot, I'm asking for the whole group. Will this be a better story than what Leicester winning the league than winning the European Cup just from where they were five years ago? And your guys' opinion. I think I'd probably still I mean where were at Atalanta five years ago? Five years ago they had no they have no <laughs> history. They didn't they'd never they'd become basically back and forth between Syria and Serie B. Um Gasparini comes in, they get fourth, uh eighth, third, and fourth, or something like that. So I they've been finishing like, in Europe the whole time. Gradual rise has been probably maybe not because it's they've been in the up as surprising as it would be, whereas Leicester were really close to getting relegated set up by the skin of their teeth and then won the league. I think Le- Leicester would probably edge it. But, I mean, we'll see when it happens because obviously the, Im- the impacts and whatnot, but I'd say Leicester still. All right. Shan, how far do you think they can go? Yeah, I I was saying um, they could get to the semi-final at least. They could even get to the final. I mean, it might it may be about time someone really surprised and wins it. And about, like, the Leicester question, I think it could be considered better than Leicester's only if, only depending on the aftermath. So 
how they do within the next season because we know, I mean, Leicester, they done well in the Champions League, but they didn't in the Premier League. And if they can do well in both the league and the Champions League next season, then I guess we can say that their achievement's slightly better. But yeah. it's like hard to compare because they're both so amazing anyway. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think Atlanta's the better team. But if they, and I, I think Leicester would probably still be more impressive. But if they win the Champions League and they win the uh, Serie A next season, I think it's case closed. Um, anyway, um, this one's a, just a simple one. I, I think I know where two of you are going with this. Danielle asks, what is the one thing you'll remember most about this season? I mean, for me, it would just be winning the league. Like the aftermath of the um, Chelsea game, the players celebrating, Klopp and Kenny Dalglish both in tears. I'll never forget that. So, obviously, a bit biased, but for me, that's a key moment. Yeah, just, like, winning it in general, I guess. The fact that we just won it, really. I mean, and also when Henderson lifts the trophy, I think, like, that part as well. Because, like, he he could have left a few seasons ago, but he didn't, and he stayed, and now look at, it, at him. So... Yeah, I think I'll remember that. And a lot of people are kind of like a bit salty about Henderson lifting the trophy and possibly winning play on the season. Um, for me, probably a coming back after COVID and just getting back to a little bit of sense of normalcy. Like, I really appreciate it just having sports back in my life. I mean, I know it's not the most important thing, but it just – Made my life. It's just making life slowly start to feel like it's getting back to normal. So probably like the comeback, like project restart. Um, for me, it would be um, well, obviously, one, number one, have starting this podcast. But football wise, Hero Mobley's incredible season. Um, it really bothers me that who he plays for, but he's just been sensational. And I think this this guy can do it in any league, anywhere in the world. I think he's just amazing. So it would be his his season. I mean. He, he's had a, a season where he scored 41, but this he's just been especially hot this year. Um, all right. So I, I, um, I, I thought of this question especially for you, Jack. Um, so what, what do you think people miss when it comes to the Neymar versus Mbappe debate? Yeah, um, I think most of it probably comes down to um, Neymar being quite unlikable and Mbappe being a lot more likable, I guess, because when you if you watch them play, like regularly this year, I think it's clear that Neymar's better. I'd say Mbappe's probably edged it on goal scoring now, but overall play, I think Neymar's got a lot more about him. But yeah, I think I mean the diving that is isn't that good in him as well, so that might be that. And maybe because Mbappe's young, people think like, oh, what could he become? But then. Obviously, right now, I guess, especially back in like back in 2018, during the World Cup, people were comparing him to Pele because he scored in the World Cup final. But that season, he still only scored about a dozen goals in the league, so he wasn't. I mean, he's nowhere near the finished article yet. So, I think it's just a case of people getting too ahead of him at the moment. Although he is progressing really well, so I think he will become a really. I mean, become probably. I mean, who knows? He's only 21, so he could definitely become an all-time great, but. There's a lot to, you know, to wait and see, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Um, I think Neymar's clearly better. I think Mbappe is really special and fantastic player. But I think the big reason is, like you said, Neymar dives and is not that likable. And Mbappe scored in the World Cup and he won the World Cup. So I think because of that, that's why everyone sort of goes towards Mbappe as the better player. But I, I disagree with that. So I would say Neymar. But I think that's a big reason why. Whoever wants to go next. Yeah, um, I think that Neymar is probably better, but I do really like Mbappe as well. Um, well, I actually like Mbappe more because of obvious reasons that you've mentioned. So, I think, yeah, because he's younger as well. So, like what's been mentioned, like what he can become, and I think, like young players get less criticism anyway and I think they deserve to in some ways because I see like some players getting criticism when they don't deserve it like I saw some people criticising um, Nico Williams earlier and I think that was a bit unfair because he was playing out of position as well and he's done pretty well Um, I think the other reason people rate Mbappe Head and Neymar is because of how unlikable he is. And I mean, he does kind of do it to himself. Um, I mean, the diving thing at the World Cup was ridiculous. That was, I remember even here, like stateside, that's all people talked about. They weren't talking about the game, they're just talking about the diving and his antics. Um, Elliot, you can attest to this too. Um, he, he rubs people the wrong way, way too much. It's kind of like, um, I don't want to say like LeBron, but more like a Steph Curry. You know, it's like the arrogance and everything. But the problem is he can't be arrogant because he's so good. But I think he just rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think LeBron fits, though. Uh, but yeah, I, I get you. I think, Le- I, I think they all fit. But I just think I, people just need to realize that he has that right to be arrogant because he's so good. See, I think if he was more likable, uh, more likable people would easily rate him ahead of uh, Mbappe. Yeah. I think I think that's completely fair. Um, all right, we got two more, um, both Syria questions. Um, where has it all gone wrong for AC Milan, and how do they get back to greatness? Um, I'll answer this one. Fire Maldini, fire Maldini, fire Maldini. And after you do that, um, I would play uh, Rafael Liao and Rebic together because Liao just seems to be on the bench far too often when he's better than their usual options. Um, I also think they should have kept up, kept a hold of um, their, um, their current manager uh, instead of changing all the time. So I think a lot of the things that they do and a lot of changes they make is not helping and it's really stunting their growth and they need to start building it a little bit better. Um, but, you know, I think they got old, uh, the, the, the glory years they used on and they, they didn't know how to uh, bring it back up and they, They've done a lot of stupid things across the years to sort of figure it out. Um, I think they're on the up and up potentially, but they just they just screwed themselves by sort of the, just some of the decisions they've made. Yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, I'm not as in the know about like sort of Syria and whatnot, but I think yeah. definitely now they've got quite a, quite an exciting young side players like Rob Agnoli, Benesser. I think that and Donnarumma as well. There's a lot of potential with that team. It is just a case of getting the right manager. I mean, Ralph Ragnick's just been hired, hasn't he? So yeah. He, he could be a really good appointment. So things are on the up for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's the case of AC Milan rushing into things um quicker than they should. Haven't they had like quite a few owners in like a short space of time as well? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's part of the reason why, because you need a um like owner to set a path and then go on that and if you keep changing them, you're not going to get get that same thing. Brian? Uh, fire Maldini, which they did. Um, they fired him via promotion, basically. He's no longer the technical director, so I, I think that they um, probably the smartest thing that they have ever done was uh, get rid of him. Um, I think you watch the turnaround. He's not, they're not going to make his... And also, stop making his moves for the sake of making him. Like, signing Zlatan made absolutely no sense to me. Right. You know, um, they need to get younger and stop getting older. They need to stop starting him above Rafael Leao. No, I know he's done well for the leadership part of it, but on the field, he's just not doing as much. So I, that's what irritates me about Milan is Leao was always on the bench and having to sit behind someone who's twice his age and not as good. So anyway, um, so one last question. Um, uh, Lazio have, have built one of the most underrated squads in Europe. Why do people not give them credit they deserve? I'm going to go first on this one because they're fans of the scum of the earth. They're racist. They're against – they're just they're – all the values that most people share, they're on the opposite ends of it. Um, and then so, – so there's that. And then my serious answer is I don't think enough people have respect for Syria, even though it's clearly one of the best leagues in the world. Um, Ryan's been watching it for about two weeks, and he keeps telling me how, how fun it is. So I think if more people watch the league, they would understand sort of, you know, how good they can be. I agree, yeah. I think it also comes down to a lot of their players not being that well-known outside of Italy. I think the likes of Franco Cherby has been pretty good this season, but if you're yeah. not watching Serie A regularly, you're not seeing that. Same with um, Luis Alba. So a lot of people probably still see him as a Liverpool reject, but in reality, he's one of the best creative midfielders in the world. So, yeah, I guess yeah, it's a case of not enough people watching Syria or just not knowing the players too well. Yeah, a lot of people just think that Syria is like a bad league without even watching it or even looking into statistics or finding out more about the teams in there. So that's why. And I think if people are to pay more attention to Syria, then they would see that how how well Lazio are doing right now. Um I think it is disrespect Syria I guess which is a shame because I mean it is it's one of the one of the most fun leagues to watch and Lazio is one of the most fun teams to watch all around this year. I mean I absolutely despise their fan base but the players playing on the pitch and it's so much fun to watch, and I wish people would take a look at it. Because really, uh, Chiro Mobile, I think me and I'll even talking about this, he's probably the most underappreciated play, player in the world this year. So without him, there's no way they're in Champions League or even challenging for the title. All right, totally agree with that. Um, I think he's sensational. I think the idea that he couldn't do another league is just ridiculous. Um, and I think – I talked about this recently, but I, I, I only think – only a few players in the world should be able to be classed as world class. 
And I think Lazio, I think there's probably four players in Serie A that are world-class. I think and Lazio has two of them. So I just think they're a great team as much as I dislike them. Um, so I think they're special. Anyway, that's all the questions we have. Wait, before, before we go, who do you think is yeah. the world-class and who else? What's that? Uh, you said that um, Lazio have two of the four world-class players. I would say, so world-class players for me in Serie A is uh, Dybala, Ronaldo, um, Malinkovic, Savic, Kiro Mobile, and um, but yeah, that's it, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. So I guess I guess there's five, so two for, for me, two, two of them are coming from Lazio. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll definitely have you back on yeah. before the start of the Premier League season next year. For sure. Um, we'll probably do one with. Uh, really go ahead, Ryan. No, I said we really appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to say we should. Uh, I want to do another episode with um, with Jack and the and the rest of us just so we can uh, we can go into a little bit more deeper with some football stuff. Um, and then I guess um, I just want to um, congratulate you guys on winning the Premier League. Well done. Thank yeah, you. thanks a lot. It's really been good coming on. I can't wait to come on again. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you for inviting yeah. us. No problem. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a great week and stay safe. Thanks, thanks guys. You. you too. Bye. Bye.